Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in this summer. Wonderful bit of heat wave, but it's not too... I'm going to start again because I had no idea what the fuck <laughs> I was going to say there. <laughs> staining, staining. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in the world right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Summer solstice is upon us. It only gets worse from here. Hello everybody. <laughs> Summer solstice indeed. Um, I'm amazed with you and you, you and your ways that you hadn't watched any Glastonbury though. Who, me? Yeah. Nah, there's, unfairly probably, but Glastonbury has a bit of a bad... A bad rap for me. It just it's full of champagne socialists and and Eton toffs. It's just not it doesn't look like my bag at all. I'd rather go to like download yeah. or something. It's the middle class version of a V weekend at fucking in Stafford, isn't it? It's just all pop bollocks. It's not what a festival's about. I, I saw some some young blood character. And he he's he's so he bouncing on the stage and saying, Well, you've got ADHD, are you mate? And I think, well, and then he, he was like gurning like some kind of joker figure. I thought, no, this this ain't my bag. So I turned it over and I was watching some again someone else I hadn't heard <laughs> anything of. But there we are. I, I, well, I, I have just prior to this downloaded the eighty minute Jamie T set, which I'm very, very, very much looking forward to watching. So maybe I'll change my mind in um, in eighty minutes' time from watching. <clears throat> Uh, but before we get to that, Matt, I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Tom Cruise this week. Um, off the back of Maverick surpassing the $1 billion mark, um, why, why not talk about Tom Cruise? We've got a dozen questions that I'm going to ask you, and we will work through his back catalogue, his star profile, discuss the good and less than good, and let's be honest, flat out batshit crazy of Tom Cruise. So the first question that I'm going to bring to you is, what is the first film that you remember seeing of Tom Cruise's? Stu? I think it was Top Gun. I've got a feeling it was, because I've seen Top Gun so many times, and we've talked about it for the last month or so anyway. Um, but it was one of them films, like Robocop and Die Hard and all these things, it was just on around that kind of... Around my childhood, or in my childhood, but it was like, say, uh, say early 90s, so I was what, seven, eight, nine, around about that kind of time. Them kind of films, and Predator as well, um, all them kind of the proper classic films were all on it. There must have been on video because there, weren't, there was no ITV2. Um, and there wouldn't have been on normal ITV or four, would they? So, and we didn't get Telewest um, cable TV for Americans. Um, we didn't get that until I think ninety four five. So if they were on the movie channels there, maybe. But that that kind of genre of film was always on in the background at some point in someone's house. So it must have been the the VHS revolution. So I'm I'm guessing it was Top Gun. I mean, my first memory of watching it properly was the first Mission Impossible in ninety six. That was when it first kind of clicked in my head and thought, oh, this guy's all right. And then I went back and watched Top Gun again for, and kind of appreciated it more than I would as a, as a child. So, yeah, Benny the Rules, but two answers. Top Gun feels like the perfect sort of bank holiday, Sunday evening kind of a film. Something yeah. that'd always be on TV around that time. You'd have Bond on during the day and then you'd have Top Gun maybe at six o'clock. Roger Moore Bond as well. Yeah, I'll, yeah, definitely, yeah. Matt, what's the first recollection you've got of uh, a cruise film? I, I think I'd have, I would have seen Top Gun, but not have been old enough to remember it. So the one I can categorically say I, I was the first I saw was Minority Report. Um, and it would have felt like at the time, I remember vividly feeling at the time, like this is the most advanced state-of-the-art technology I've ever seen in a film. Mm. And this is the, this is the craziest sci fiest film in my entire life concepts of which i couldn't grasp um <laughs> and then watching it since it's not quite that really but 
I remember feeling like it was a it was a proper romp at the time, like that gun that you have to flick around to fire like the sonar bolt or whatever it is. Yeah. There was like <laughs> was just proper cool at the time, um, and I just remember it being properly up, you know, in my wheelhouse and up my street. That film when I, when I saw it when I was um, when I was younger. Did you feel like that was quite a big deal? I remember when it came out, it was just checked 2002 when it came out. And obviously with it being Spielberg behind it, it did. It came with quite a lot of um, momentum when it came over here. And it, it was something of, it kind of was groundbreaking because it felt like it was the first of a new wave of sci-fi. Um, I don't I haven't watched it for so long. I don't know if it stands up, but yeah, I think that's a good place to start with him. With me, I'd go back a little bit to Interview with a Vampire was the first time I saw Tom Cruise. Because even as a kid, I always loved horrors and all that kind of stuff. I remember watching Bram Stoker's Dracula. I lent it off my friend's sister and I hated that film (laughs) so bad. But like I'd have been, what, 13, 14 at the time, I pretended to really like it because it was a bit of a vampire. And then went on to Interview with a Vampire, which I watched like time and again. And again, it's a probably one I haven't seen for the best part of 30 years now. Um, but I remember loving it at the time and thinking it was like this really moody, deep and introspective film because it was about vampires and vampires are generally the the moody teenagers of the, <laughs> the, the, the horror world. And I think that's what I was channeling at the time. I imagine now it's really airy-fairy and shit. But at the time, I absolutely loved Interview with the Vampire. It was a great movie. I probably haven't seen it for when when did it come out? Ninety four, something like that. Ninety four, I think. Yeah. yeah so, oh, no, I wouldn't have seen that at the cinema. It, it must have been, it must have been that it was really been on like Sky premiere. I've got a feeling that that's got the kind of, it's got that Same. kind of feel yeah. about it. Yeah. No, I probably have. I've probably seen it once ever, and I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember seeing it again. No, it's not worth the rewatch. I don't think now. But at the it's time, never a good, never a good sign, is it? <laughs> uh, so that was the first film. What was the latest film of theirs that you've seen? I think if we take Maverick off the table, because obviously we discussed that last time out. So what's the last film that you saw with Tom Cruise in? It doesn't have to be like his most recent film. It can be one from time ago. But the last film of his that you watched, Matt? Um, it was not that long ago. It's not the most recent chronologically or anything, but I watched War of the Worlds relatively recently. Um, it is a film. It exists. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of these where it, well, it's an answer to a question later on, um, but it's, it's yeah. flawed, but it's not, uh, it's not a total failure either. Mm. It, it, yeah, it's a swing, but, I'm not sure if it's a miss. Yeah, I I know where you're coming from with that. It's a it, it's it's a goal. It's a goal mouth scramble and a tap in basically. Mm. Like it's <laughs> you, you know what I, you know what I mean. A, a right back who gets zero goals a season scores. <laughs> it's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, just fumbles it over the line. Yeah, Stu, what, what's uh, the latest that you've seen? Other than other than Top Gun again before going to watch Maverick, which is kind of cheating. Um, I looked at this and I thought. It's been a long, long time because I haven't watched the first one, first Mission Impossible, and the second one. It's amazing that the only ones I've ever seen, even for me. <laughs> so I've got them all there. I've, I've bought them all now to watch in preparation for the the, the last two. Um, next is it next year it comes out now. Uh, yes, it is. The first part's out next year, and then the second part's out the year after, I believe. Yeah, so I've got, I've got a bit of time with that one, which I know exactly that they're right up my street as well. <laughs> And I should be should have watched them. I mean, I might have seen three. I can't remember if I have. Um, so, uh, looking back through the IMDb things, and amazingly, it's Rock of Ages, <laughs> ten, <laughs> 10 years ago. And has it really been that long? Twenty twelve. I love I love that film, and I, I never had having a bad word said about it. It, you know, it rendered the the, uh, the glee, the height of the glee phase, and all that kind of mm. stuff, and. Yeah, it's not brilliant. <laughs> of course it's not. But it's a lot of fun. And it's obviously we'll, we'll get into it with uh, some questions later on as well. But yeah, I I, remember I went to watch it and then I bought the Blu-ray as soon as it came out. And I've watched it multiple times since. And 
not for a while. So that that's uh, that's going on the list for. That's a perfect summer film as well. It's just cheery. Mm, we'll see. Uh, for me, the last films I saw. So yesterday, in preparation for this, there was a few films that of his that I just wanted to watch because I'd, I'd never got round to seeing them. So I watched Risky Business and The Colour of Money. Uh, the Colour of Money, I didn't realise, was a sequel to The Hustler. But I really enjoyed it. And, and Newman in that film is fantastic. Like He's such a great, great actor that I don't think he's in enough conversations for like the greatest of all time because he's up there with the best of them. It's absolutely superb. And this young, cocky prick that was Tom Cruise at the time was perfect in that role as this I know better than everyone, even though I don't know anything outside of my tiny little world. Really enjoyed that movie. Uh, and the other one, Risky Business, was not the film I wanted it to be. I only the only recollection I have of Risky Business before this is there's an episode of Saved by the Bell where Screech's mom's Elvis statue gets broken and he has to repair it and they do the dance to one of the songs like he does at the beginning. And I thought this was going to be a bit like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And it sort of was, but it was the most low-key version of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like There was just no peaks and troughs. It was just a slow plod throughout the film it was i was really disappointed i wanted it to be really fun and upbeat in that john hughes style of 80s cinema and it really wasn't so i felt quite let down at the end of that one so as an actor what is it that you like about tom cruise what does he bring to the table that you enjoy watching Stu? he's fun <laughs> he doesn't take i mean there's a few that Films where he's at proper film films where he's not just jumping around and explosions and whatever. Um, he's got a bit of everything, and obviously, as a very straight man, you can quite you can quite actually say that yeah, he's a very attractive guy, and that helps. You ain't looking like, like Norman Lamont on the screen, am you? So. I don't know where that's come from. <laughs> you say you're a very straight man, Stu, but I remember <laughs> when we went to see Martin Kemp and the, the doe eyes that you were giving oh. him were incredible. Yeah, but look how good he looked, though, then. And how, how he looks better now, now than I do now. Uh, whatever age he is. Um, but yeah, he's he's obviously... <laughs> he's got the looks on his side, but it's, it's that smile as well. He's got that kind of smile that it's it's so infectious that it makes you smile. That damn smile. That damn <laughs> smile. That's the title of the episode. Um, yeah, I just, he's just got an infectious personality about him. And I, I kind of like that he, got, he, he, for the most part, he puts everything into everything he does. And he seems like a gen, like, well, apart from the Scientology stuff, he seems to be a generally nice bloke as well. Where you see things like the, the Curios thing in Birmingham last year. Um, mm. And like stories like that. And how he did. Like a little bit for um, Channel Four F One as well, around promoting Top Gun Maverick, and it just taking himself off and not taking himself too seriously. That there's a lot of people who, of his stature, like you wouldn't get Tom Hanks doing that kind of thing, really. So it's always one of them things which I was kind of amazed that it had been ten years since I'd watched a film of his <laughs> um, through choice. But yeah, I. It's just got an infectious personality that it just draws me in. I just, I just like the guy. I did not expect this to be the the coming out episode of Stupid. <laughs> I get what you speaking mean. Of, though. Um, oh, sorry, sorry on, Matt. speaking of his his that damn smile that um that ruined it all for Stu. I swear, early, very early on in his career, he's he's one tough. Yeah, yeah. Was directly in line with mm. his filtrum. Yeah, which is the weirdest fucking thing. If you see a picture of it, it's weird as hell. And I don't know how a dentist rectifies that. How Britt Baker DMD would have <laughs> what, what she would have done to have um, to rectify that. Yeah, he's definitely got like the whole veneers and all that shit, hasn't he? I think to to get it because it looks properly off kilter, doesn't it? When you look at someone with a, a mm-hmm. twist in the middle of the face, it's weird. But I, I do get what Stu was saying. Like he has got. It's this star presence in everything that he does. Good, bad, indifference. He's very... He does draw you into his performances, I think. 
I mean, we'll come to it in a bit. I'm not sure whether or not it's a good or a bad thing because I do feel like a lot of it is very samey. But if it's something that connects with you, you will enjoy all of his films. Mm-hmm. So I think when it works, it works perfectly for him. Matt, what do you like about Cruise? Well, it, it's versatility, but it's, it's it, you know, he can play the arrogant heel or he can play the lovable rogue or he can play the hero. Um, he doesn't... Uh, to my memory, play the villain that often, but he, you know, he can. Um, he's a very stable hand at everything. You know, mm. he's a jack of all trades, really. Um, but you know what they say, jack of all trades, and I'm sure, I'm sure that's probably all of our points later on in the episode. He's, he's a good hand to shoe in another wrestling reference. He's a, he, he's a more entertaining Lance Storm, isn't he? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he a good hand. He's, yeah, absolutely. And he does it yeah. well, but that. One of his biggest strengths is also his biggest flaws. Mm, absolutely. So speaking of his strengths, what is your best, what's the best performance that you think he has put to celluloid or digital as he is now? Matt, what's your favourite performance from Thomas? Well, the, the, There's a favourite and, and best, but well, to be fair, they're the same, but um, Rain Man, Rain Man for me. Um, it's, it's a film that, Deserves all the plaudits it gets, um, and and he's got all the plaudits for a reason. It's, it's an excellent performance from him, completely believable as well because the range of emotions that he goes through in that film are entirely what I think the majority of people would go through in his scenario if it, if they were that person. Mm. Um, and and it's completely believable. And is there nothing is there nothing more powerful in in film than being something that's relatable to the audience. And that's exactly what he does in Rain Man. Mm. Um, you know, Rain, Rain Man isn't as good without Dustin Hoffman. I, I, I appreciate that completely. Um, but Tom Cruise, you know, he really, he really makes that feel, it gives not the heart, but the soul maybe of the film. If Dustin Hoffman gives it the heart. Yeah. I think that's a really good point actually. Cause you, I think you're watching the film through Tom Cruise's eyes, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Really, I think he's the he's our conduit into the movie because obviously Dustin Hoffman's character is difficult. I suppose you, yeah. it's difficult to identify with him, most you can do it quite easily with Tom Cruise, and he really draws you into that movie through his performance. He's absolutely wonderful. Um, I'd got Rain Man down, but I knew you was going to say it, so obviously I had a backup answer, and the backup answer is Collateral. Um, as you said to the previous question, he doesn't do a lot of bad guys. Like, he's mostly the hero in everything he does. So mm-hmm. Collateral was the first time where he played a psychotic serial killer and he was still believable. He had that um, that otherworldliness to him that he brought to this role, but he really underplayed it, which is not something he's often known to do. I feel like he tends to lean into it and give the larger-than-life performances. Whereas with this one, I feel like he reined it in somewhat because if you're going to be a... Uh, a sniper, a hitman for someone. You can't be this big flash, showy mm. dickhead. So instead, it was a more restrained performance, which is not what I associate with Tom Cruise. I think it was all the better for it. And I do think that Jamie Foxx really helped him. Much like you said with um, with Dustin Hoffman, I feel that Tom Cruise's best performance comes alongside a really strong performance from a supporting actor. And Jamie Foxx, I mean, he was Oscar nominated for his performance in that. He was exceptionally good. I, still, I think it's a massive sleeper film, though, that. I reckon Joe Public doesn't mm. know it exists, um, which is a shame because it's a very mm. enjoyable film. I, yeah. I remember at the time there was quite a lot of hype around it, and then I don't think I've heard anyone mention it for like the last 15 years. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, it's just completely vanished. Stu? It was Raymond and Gertrude. <laughs> <laughs> I think... For for what you said, being about being a flashy dickhead, that's kind of what he starts off in, as in Rain Man. You kind of get mm-hmm. that feeling about him being, oh, he's just been, he's been. A, what is he? What what are they called? Like yuppie? Is that the right word? Yeah. Um, yeah. he's a bit like one of them, and he's kind of, mm, and you, it's a side of him that you don't see very often, which is what I've got listed like oh, you. You kind of like to see him in more actual just dramas because he can do it and he's more than capable of doing it. Obviously, mm. you can probably see that later on in his life when he can't be jumping over planes and stuff anymore. 
and he's got to do something else. Um, but he does seem to have the, the range to do these kind of things. Um, but Rayman was just stand out without, without a shadow of a doubt. There's a reason why. Mm. Absolutely. And I think what you Absolutely. said about is um, about him playing off at other people. Look at the amount of people who've been nominated for Best Supporting Actor when he's been the, the main actor as well. Mm. And maybe he's, maybe he's like the Andy Keo of the film world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so that's the good. What's the shit? What's his worst performance that he's given? Mine is going to be Rock of Ages. I'm sorry, Stu. Oh! It was... It was too much. It was just, it was so <laughs> over the top and it just did not work for me on any level. I didn't enjoy the film. I didn't enjoy the experience. And I thought he was particularly bad in the movie. I don't know what it was. I just didn't find him believable, even as this sort of aged rock star, which he kind of is in real life. Um, it just didn't work. I think it's because he's a little bit too clean cut. And then to see him with that long hair and trying to be all suave and cool. And it just, it was just a big no from me all the way throughout. And I like, I like musicals. I don't like jukebox musicals. So that might be why that didn't work for me, but I did love Glee. So I don't know. It just, it just never got into my heart quite like I wanted it to. The whole film's over the top though. It is, but it just didn't work for me. And I know musicals are supposed to be like that. But for whatever reason, I just I just couldn't just couldn't rock out to it. Unfortunately, Stu, what, what's his worst performance in your eyes? War of the Worlds, <laughs> easy. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't really blame him for that. I mean, he ain't got a lot to work with, admittedly. Um, yeah. But he just doesn't look asked <laughs> at all, <laughs> like most people on that film didn't. And I I remember watching that, and I had I'd forgot. Like how it ends and stuff, and I, I remember bursting out laughing. <laughs> and there were those people who'd been obviously fans of it for years, and so many different versions of it, and the, the radio playing, whatever. And there were people looking at me like in shame. <laughs> and and I, I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. Like, how could you end a film? How can you end a story like this? But yeah, it just looked, it was shit. It was a shit film. Even Nicolas Cage couldn't save that. I mean, it'd be towards the bottom of the list if he had uh, featured. But yeah, it, he doesn't do bad very often. And it stands out when he does. And that was one of the worlds for me. Matt, are you going to echo Stu's sentiment on that one? No, not at all. I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was like the worst thing since sliced bread. I just think that it, it the ending absolutely destroys everything that you've witnessed for the last what feels like about four hours. <laughs> um, but that's not that's not Tom Cruise's fault. You know what I mean? That's not even the director's fault. I suppose if they wanted to be faithful to the source material, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't think War of the Worlds is dreadful. I think it's got some really like some tense scenes in it, and there's some heart in it. It's 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 okay. It's absolutely fine, but it's it's not dreadful. What is dreadful is night and day, uh, night and day, basically with Cameron Diaz. Um, it's just it's it's completely filler, zero mm. thriller, and absolutely vanilla. Like it's just it just exists, and there's there's nothing there's nothing special about it, but there's nothing absolutely dreadful about it which is its biggest crime it's just it just exists in the ether it's uh, that's almost worse though isn't it because it's uh, utterly forgettable it's you know what i mean it's it's a leicester or a derby or (laughs) you know what i mean it's not even got a hooters like nottingham you know what i mean so (laughs) i don't know what else to say about it (laughs) i haven't i've never seen it i've got no intention of ever watching it at all Mm. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah, no, it's um, it never appealed, and all the reviews have been exactly what Matt have said. It, it's a film that was made. That that's not enough, is it? Really? So <laughs> no. Um, so off the back of that, what is it about Tom Cruise that you dislike? What does he do or doesn't do in his films that puts you off him? 
there's got to be something like not no one's perfect. So, Matt, what's uh, what's a negative about Cruz? He's he's just a bit safe. Hmm. He's just a bit too, and I don't think it's I don't think it's pigeonholing, and I don't think it's because he doesn't want to step outside of his comfort zone, but. In order to stay at that absolute top level in terms of box office, sometimes you've got to protect the brand and, and avoid putting in a stinker. Like he'll do these little cameos in like Tropic Thunder and 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 like uh, Austin Powers and stuff like that, mm. just just to do something a little unusual. But then that would go against the the cruise brand. So I think his biggest detriment is he's a bit too safe, really. And like and I like to see him branch out and do something a bit more niche in order to kind of diversify and and get a bit more of a cult following there's a there's a there's a reason why nick cage has a cult following and tom cruise doesn't really have a cult following mm. because because like most cults they need lunatics to follow them and lunatics <laughs> only like certain things yeah that's very true Stu, what do you think i mean there's not much um, <laughs> i don't like about him <laughs> so i'm gonna start to question myself then um, <laughs> I think it's. I think it goes to that kind of thing as well. That he ain't. He never does anything like controversially awful. <clears throat> and he, like, he don't play like a like a paedophile or a rapist or something like that, or like a something like really nasty. Playing a uh, collateral, yeah, fine. Sit, hitman fire, whatever. It's not nasty, is he? It's just a job. He was still likable in that film, wasn't yeah. he? Though that's and the it, thing. It, yeah. And who didn't want that hair? Yeah. <laughs> who didn't want to do, dye the hair grey for no reason at all? Um, but yeah, just that. That even like we've said before, David Tennant um, was a very psychotic rapist in Secret Smile before he got cast on Doctor Who, mm-hmm. or he was cast and he came out like the week before, and then obviously he did things in the MCU as well, but. Well, he wasn't exactly a nice man, and if you got someone like that at that level who can diversify and do different things, I just wish he'd do something like that, just just for the just to say that he has. Let's see, he he showed his comedy side, like Matt said in the films that he listed there. He showed that amazingly he's not a bad singer either. To be fair, <laughs> um, so I think that's the only thing that's missing. Just do something a bit controversial. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that completely. My issue is there's there's almost a level of faux insincerity or faux sincerity with him. It all feels a little bit fake at times. I, I don't buy him as like an, an everyman kind of thing. So like War of the Worlds, which has been mentioned, him in that role as he's supposed to be a father of two kids who's you know a, a working stiff trying to get by. I don't buy that. And it might just be a bleed through from his his private life. So obviously, we know that weird OTT thing he did in the interview with Oprah, where he's jumping around, mm. and he does bring some of that to uh, his on screen performances. And I feel like there's a bit of a friction between the two, and it doesn't quite work. And that might come down to the fact that he always does these these cocky, brash, maverick, or you know, like the, the performance in in Risky Business, where he was a bit of a, a cocky prick. It just doesn't quite work for me. And like, if you look at someone like Nicolas Cage, they're both actors who are very big, larger than life guys. But could Cruz have done Pig? I I don't think he could, if I'm no. honest. No. So I think that that there's a slight disconnect for me in those terms. So taking his acting out of it now. What's the best film you've seen of his? He doesn't have to be amazing in it. He just has to be a great film that you absolutely loved. My answer is Edge of Tomorrow. I have spoke several times on this podcast about being a, a big fan of um, of Emily Blunt. And she's fucking wonderful in that movie. Um, you might know it as, was it uh, Live, Die, Repeat, I think, mm-hmm. was the, the other title of it. Um, for some reason, it, there's two different titles on either side of the pond. That's a film I absolutely love. It's one that's it's got action, it's got heart. It actually makes you think about what's going on because of that time loopness to it, which is probably going to put Stu off watching it if he hasn't um, already. What? No, for that reason. <laughs> but it's such a good film. Emily Blunt is fantastic in it. Tom Cruise is there, 
Like he's good, but I wouldn't say he's amazing. He he wouldn't draw you to it. But that performance from Emily Blunt is superb. So that's what keeps me going back. It's such a good film. It's definitely worth a watch, and you would enjoy it, Stu, if you gave it the chance, even with that time loopness to it. I think. Mm. Stu, what's your your favourite film of his? I remember when that film came out, and then it was rebranded over here with the alternative name and released again. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, weird. Yeah, mine was A Few Good Men. Being a fucking superb film. And like I was saying earlier about him playing next to people who get nominated for things, that that monologue from Jack Nicholson is just... I mean, mm. it's 10, 15 years or so, when last time I watched it, but I just watched a clip of it the other day when I knew we were doing this, just to remind myself about it. And you, just, you don't take your eyes off it, do you? You're just completely gripped. Mm. It's just absolutely wonderful film. And to, for what's really a glorified courtroom drama with a few idiot, <laughs> idiots running around, it's it, astonishingly good. Astonishingly good. Mm. I, I need to watch it again, really. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's got to be somewhere um, for a film that good. You'd think it'd be on Netflix or something. Yeah, absolutely. It, it probably is. It's worth checking just to watch, seeing where it's available. Matt, what's your favourite film? In order for variety, and whilst Rain Man is is his best performance and arguably probably the critic's best film, for me, he's barely in it, but Tropic Thunder is sensational. Mm. And Tropic Thunder... You've got to be in a mood to watch Rain Man. You don't like it. Doesn't it, it, it? will lighten obviously towards the end, but you've got to be. In, you've got to commit to the full thing. Whereas Tropic Thunder, you can watch twenty minutes of and enjoy it. You can watch the whole thing and enjoy it. It's very, very funny, but it's it's got its controversy, and it's just. Um, it was just a film that absolutely didn't need to be made, but I'm so glad that it did. Like there was no. It, it doesn't it, at the time didn't at least in my understanding it didn't really fit into any like genre or need and demand. For Tropic Thunder, mm. but I'm just so glad that it exists. And Tom Cruise plays a small part in in in, in what is overall a very funny movie. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so, what is the film that you think is underrated? So it can either be one that you think is widely disparaged, but you think it's good, or it could be one that people just have been sleeping on it a little bit. Matt, what what's his underrated hit that we should be watching? Well, it, it would have been Edge of Tomorrow, to be fair. Um, I remember coming out of the cinema, seeing it, and thinking that this was the one of the most original things I've seen in a long time. Like I remember thinking, I couldn't compare it to anything else. It felt like a massive breath of fresh air mm. at the time. Um, wh- what didn't feel like so much of a breath of fresh air, but I did really enjoy it, was um, was Oblivion. I, I, I thought it was perfectly serviceable um, as a film. It wasn't spectacular, um, but it was... You know, it was your standard seven slash eight out of ten mm. Tom Cruise film. Do you know what I mean? Like it didn't push the boundaries, but it was it was absolutely fine. But I don't, I barely think anyone's seen it. No, it, mm. I remember it kind of got shat on a little bit by the critics as well. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was quite. Um, it, it was into the cinemas and gone. Like it felt like in a heartbeat. But yeah, that that's a decent film that probably does deserve a bit more respect on its name. And that's saying it like that Cameron Diaz film, which I've already forgotten the name of. Um, Night and Day. Oblivion. Look, I saw the trailer for that and thought, no, just no, pointless. <laughs> Never going to see. Um, but oh, you, you're kind of twisting my arm to go and watch this now, even with my time loop hatred. Oh, honestly, Joe, you know, you know what my feelings are towards multiverses, time traveling and the like. Edge of Tomorrow is, it's so different it's just it's 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 sensational, honestly. It, it, it's absolutely fantastic, and you, like it has no right to be if you was just to think about what it's about. But it, 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 I think it's its execution that makes it so special. Mm. You know what? Actually, after watching Lightyear a couple of days ago and the timey shit in that, I, I kind of need something else to re- refresh me because that was a bad film. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually go against the grain because what was that? That, that comedy that you made me watch and that was all right as well. Palm, Palm Springs. Yeah, that was quite good. So maybe, mm. I, maybe I can be tempted round. Um, yeah, I just had a look. A few good men. He's not available to stream for free, but you can rent it on for two forty nine everywhere, uh, which is seems pittance really. 
Um, mine would have been for this actual answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> would have been would have been collateral because, like you already said, mm. no one talks about it ever. For, from either side, yeah. for the Jamie Foxx side either. I think you probably, if you played the soundtrack to People Don't Mollin' You, they've they played it in the background before the game for about 10 years. <laughs> but no one will know what it actually is. Yeah. And it's from that soundtrack. And again, very, very, very good film that doesn't get the praise. I mean, Rock of Ages is not underrated by me or by anyone who knows because I've blurted on about it ever <laughs> since it came out. Um, but yeah, it would, it would have been collateral all day long. Mm, that's fair. My answer is going to be a film with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz, but it's not that one. It's uh, Vanilla Sky. Oh, jeez. I, I really enjoyed it, and I think a lot of people slept on it. I think a lot of people shat on it early doors. I, I don't know why, because I do feel like there's actually layers to it about there's a story about the superficiality of society, um, about friendship and about love. And obviously it was a remake of a Spanish-speaking film, if I remember correctly, because I think Penelope Cruz was in both versions of it. But I really enjoyed that movie, and everyone seemed to absolutely hate it. But it's like it's a solid 7 out of 10. It's nothing exceptional, but it's a good, interesting film with depth too which I don't think you get a lot of, especially in Tom Cruise films, because they do tend to be your more popcorn fodder. Mm-hmm. So I felt like it was something he did that was slightly different going against his, his usual grain. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I do think people probably need to give it a, a re-evaluation because, yeah, everyone seems to hate it. But I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's an underrated hit of his, personally. Yeah, that might be one where... You watch it when you're a bit older, and it kind of hits better. Because, <laughs> I mean, that w- it wasn't going to be on my worst performance. It was going to be on my worst film, if that was even a category, straight away, because I hated it. I absolutely hated it with a passion. Um, and it's like PTSD now, bringing back bad memories. But, you know, I've, I watched it that once. In a, I, might, I might watch it with my cousin, Kim. I can't remember. It's been so long. Um, th- and walking out of it thinking that was the biggest polish I've seen for years. So, who knows? Uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to give it another chance, but if it's if it <laughs> like re-emerges out of nowhere and it's like the number one film on Netflix for whatever reason, then maybe. Hmm. I think I watched it when I was at uni, so I was doing all of the mise-en-scene oh, wow. and all that crap <laughs> that comes with it. So I think I probably watched it with that more wanky film student head on than just a, a general watch it to enjoy it kind of thing and I enjoyed it for that side of things so I want to know then right so Tom Cruise has been around since 1981 his career started the year before Cages uh, when Cage was in the Fastmont at Ridgemont High the uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High even uh, Blink and You'll Miss It debut Cage has got over 100 credits to his name Tom Cruise has got less than 50 there aren't many actors who have got that level of longevity to their career with so few credits to their name. Can you explain to me why Tom Cruise is at the very top of his field, even though he's got, I think it was 46 credits when I looked earlier to his, his acting name? Matt, what do you think? I think, and this is purely going through the from the, the opinion of his peers, really, in the profession, is that I think it's widely regarded that he's he's the Springsteen of Hollywood in that he's the hardest working man in Hollywood, in that every single film he's putting the time in, every country he's going to, doing their version of Graham Norton, doing their version of GMTV or This Morning Britain. Like, I think he gets his name out there so much that he's always in public perception. And when you're mm. always in public perception as much as he is, mixed with the fact that he never picks a role that really is going to be his undoing and be a massive flop, mm. I think that gives you longevity because you're always in, you're always relevant. You're always in. So, for example, Graham Norton, right? Apart from maybe BBC America or whatever it's called, it's a very British thing. And there's there's a certain level of, you know, you watch it and... He's on it, and there's a bit of a shock that he's on this smaller program in comparison to you know world TV. So 
he's in your living room as opposed to your big screen now. He becomes more accessible. He becomes more relatable. I think he's just mm. always there. He's just always been there. He doesn't need to pump out three, four films a year to be there because he's always on your TV. He's always on your radio. He's always on the side of you, the bus. He's just got a. He's just got a constant presence, and I think that's why he's been able to maintain success. Yeah, I, I think my argument was going to be pretty similar. I had a look at like the the top grossing actors over the last decade or so. And I think it was, was it six or seven years out of the last 10, he was in the top 10. He's always around, even though he might not have done more than like one film every other year. He's always there, just sort of hanging around in the background. There's like the, the spectre of Cruise. He's always hanging over Hollywood. And there was this story recently about the guy who directed Top Gun Maverick. I can't remember his name, uh, but he pitched this idea to Tom Cruise about doing Maverick. And Cruz turned around and said, right, OK, wait there. And he got on his mobile phone, spoke to whoever, and just said, we're going to make Top Gun 2. And then the wheels were in motion the day after. So he, he does have that, that work ethic that's very much, that's something I want to do. Let's get it done. And mm. like, if he's there at the inception of Top Gun 2, he's there at the very end of Top Gun 2. That's like a two, three-year project from production, pre-production, from the actual film, post-production. That's why I don't think he's got a massive amount of credits to his name. Mm. But you know he's there because he's the one involved. He's the one who's promoting this film. And then it comes out and he's everywhere and he's got the biggest grossing film of the year so far, I believe. I don't think anything else has hit a billion this year. I don't think there's anything else in Spider-Man, if I remember correctly. So it's it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Stu, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I was just looking. He, he's got out of fifty films now with Maverick. He's producer of twenty five. So let it out. And it's not all, just exec, exec producing. Yeah, so, yeah it's produced incredible. by Mission, all the Mission Impossibles, mm-hmm. all the Jet Reach, well, both Jet Reacher ones, Last Samurai, which never been mentioned. So yeah, there's a lot of them where he's just a producer. Anyway, things like. Knock, um, yeah, just all encompassing, doing everything. Like, like I said earlier on, when he said about what, what in in you to him, and it, it's the fact that he he does go balls deep into everything. He doesn't just turn up and uh, he doesn't just turn up, say his lines and get back in his fancy little trailer. He's there doing everything. And if you're putting that much commitment into a, a project, then you need a break. You can't be doing that with everything, so that's probably why. Fair play to him. Mm, Definitely. So what role should Tom Cruise have taken on? If you could replace any actor with Tom Cruise in any film, what film, what role would you be replacing Cruise with? Stu? I don't think in something like The Hangover. Like something completely stupid, like like a dude bro film. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen him do comedy, like we mentioned already, in tiny little bits, but never a f- that I can think of full-on comedic role for a whole film or a genre of films like that. Like, like um, the the you know it was Hot Tub Time Machine, just stupid shit like that. If he'd been in th- if he'd been in something like that, just completely out of the blue, just a complete change of pace, change of direction, just turns up. Produce a role on something like that, or Juice Bigelow, or something like that. Because I think he could do it. I think he'd be really good in it as well. We've seen that he doesn't take himself too seriously, so I think it's a missed opportunity more than anything else. And I'd love to see. I quite like that. I mean, it's not the answer I'd I'd gone completely in an opposite direction. Well, I love the idea of him just doing this kind of wacky, stupid comedy out of nowhere at the age of nearly 60, just completely <laughs> yeah. turning face and doing something else. I, I, I kind of love that answer. That's brilliant. Matt, what would you like to have seen him uh, do instead? I don't think it really would have worked um, in terms of the timeline or time or something, but I would have liked to have seen him play uh, the American guy in Snatch. 
Like he's too. <laughs> he's, he would have been too young now thinking about it. Now they could have old, They could have made him. They could have made him older, I suppose. But I'd like to basically see him in a British crime film mm. as an as the American, as the bolshy, yuppie American that gets gently and not so gently taken the piss out of. And I think that would have fit really well in Snatch or something like Lockstock or anything with Guy Ritchie directly like behind the camera or, or something mm. like that. I think it, it, it would be a, it would be um you'd never play a, a leading role in something like this. It's not green streak for fuck's sake, but it's, do you know what I mean? I think he, I think he would actually fit into that world really well. I think it'd be quite amusing to see him in that. Mm, absolutely. That's a great call. I've gone very root one on my answer. And I think there's only two people who could actually play this role. One of them is the person who played it. And the other one is Tom Cruise. And that would have been Tony Stark, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like that, that character is very much this man who's been around for a good few years, who's made a lot of money, who was, you know, almost gone to hell and back, probably not quite so much for Cruise as, as it was for, for Robert Downey, but I do feel like he would have been a good replacement for him. And I do think originally he was like one of the names touted for that role. And I feel like he would have worked that perfectly well. I think he'd have been a, a good alternative had uh, RDJ not been available for it. On the flip side of that coin, though, what film should they have passed up on? Or should Tom Cruise have passed up on? My answer is The Mummy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, f- I feel like Tom Cruise wanted some of that, um, you know, that, that new shared universe franchise money and he bet on the wrong horse with The Mummy. Um, I didn't make it all the way through. I got bored quite early doors and gave up. It was just, it was a stinker. Just didn't. Absolutely nothing for me whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, the mummy, Stu. Yeah, the mummy, <laughs> and for the same for the same reason, the fact that he hasn't been in DC Universe, he hasn't been in the MCU, he hasn't done any of these, he hasn't done a Bond series other than other than Mission Impossible, which is his anyway. He hasn't been a part of a bigger kind of collective, has he? So. I think that that monster was it Monsterverse that they were trying to call it, or was that no? That was yeah. the other one. It was the, the um, Universal Monster Universe. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And it, it obviously failed again. Like it failed the first time round. So, <laughs> yeah, easy answer. Matt, are you going to make it a trifecta? Uh, suddenly not. Um, <laughs> I, I actually think War of the Worlds <laughs> need Tom Cruise, or it need it, War of the Worlds needed to be grittier. It was the most polished end of the world that I can remember. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's an element that you get with Tom Cruise is that you get polished. You don't get gritty realism mm. a lot of the time. I know we've talked about his like emotionally in, in Rain Man, he is relatable, but it's not like gritty realism. And War of the Worlds needed to be a grittier, nastier, dirtier film than it was. Um, and mm. I, you know, for that reason... It's it's it, it's flawed because it needed to be a little bit more ten Cloverfield Lane than it was. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, for the end of the world, the bin men shouldn't have just been around. It, like it was all too nice and mm. ordered, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, what's got a worse ending, that or signs? Um, that's a good point. Actually, that's a that's a very good point. That's a, that's a really good question. Yeah, yeah, that that is. Yeah, um, I think I was angrier at Signs. Yeah, yeah, well, I was angrier at Signs only because it was a window into the life in my house with the amount of fucking glasses <laughs> that get left around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope Sam doesn't listen to this uh, episode. He's <laughs> <laughs> open. <laughs> well, we'll we'll soon know if, if if we have her as a faithful listener or not. <laughs> uh, so, what is it? Something you would like to see Tom Cruise do in the future? Would it be same old? Will it be something completely new? What What do you fancy seeing from Cruise coming up, Matt? Well, we've kind of touched on a, a kind of parallel universe with Cage in some respects, some ways, massively different. But now, I'd like to see him play Tom Cruise. I'd like to see him ham up his own 
his own mm. myth and his own ethos. Mm. I'd like to see him gently take the piss out of Scientology. I'd like to see him take the piss out of his height and everything else that comes with it. I think, you know, if unbearable weight of massive talent gets the recognition that it should, you know, it could open the door for more of these kind of meta gentle piss takes of, of one's own self. And I think one, one about Cruz would be really fun. Mm. He would be a, a perfect subject for that kind of film, wouldn't he as well? Oh yeah. Totally. He really would. I mean, that, that could be, that could be a kind of the entry into the, the shared universe film. If you had the unbearable weight of <laughs> mini talent, yeah, I like it. <laughs> and then you do, then you do a, a cage cruise crossover with someone else. I don't know, like Kevin Hart or whatever. Um, probably not good enough, has he? Um, say someone like De, De, De Niro, put De Niro in there as well. So I'm well, guessing the, the original rumor was supposed to be that the film was written about Daniel Day Lewis. So to get like a proper stalwart actor in there <laughs> with those two, I think that'd be excellent. So chuck him in as well. Has Daniel Day Lewis ever laughed though in his life? Is that no, it? but I think that's why you would be perfect for it. Yeah, if you like Roy Keane. <laughs> Yeah, it would. <laughs> so what would you like to see him do next, Jim? I want that. I want that now. Oh, you want that as well? <laughs> yeah. I want a shared universe piss taping. Yeah, okay. I, I'd gone similar-ish in that something that Cage has already done. I'd really like to see him do a Willy's Wonderland type performance. So both in the fact that it's like this bonkers off-the-wall B-movie and also this no talking. We're so used to seeing him being something of a motor mouth show off. I'd quite like to see it go completely the other way and just have him be this silent badass. I think I'd, I'd quite like to see him lean into that side of things and just do something completely different to what we're, we're used to from him now. I think that'd be really interesting as well because he does have that that persona and could he still bring the, the larger than life persona across in a silent role? I think that would be quite interesting to see, see if someone else could pull it off as well as as well as Cage did. They could even do it in Willy's Wonderland in the, the warehouse um, restaurant. Mm. And just do a sequel to that. I'd be well up for it. That'd be brilliant. Right then. So that's this podcast. And next week, the podcast is going out on the 4th of July. And Tom Cruise was in a film called Born on the 4th of July. So you might see where this is going. We're going to be talking about Cocktail. <laughs> it is available to stream on Disney Plus and Prime in the UK, but check out JustWatch.com to see if it's streaming anywhere near you. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and we would love a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. Uh, make sure you've got us on the Twitter and Insta at CageFightingPod, and any emails to CageFightingPod at gmail.com. So for this week, Mass, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves, check in on your pals, and have a great week. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Yeah, try everyone to enjoy the weather while you can. It'll piss down again soon. <laughs> it's goodbye from me, and remember, be excellent to each other. Oh.